thanks to the resources of Royal Caribbean, we made it really explode to its full potential that as a private company, it had been hard to do. And so I am now incredibly privileged to be at the helm of this amazing brand, the largest in the world, but mostly the, the, a very, very special company. Welcome to the Brave Bold Brilliant podcast. I'm here today with Barbara Muckerman. Now, Barbara has got a very illustrious title. She is the President and Chief Executive Officer of Silver Sea Cruises, but also is a member of the Royal Caribbean Group's Executive Committee. Welcome, Barbara, all the way from Monaco. Thank you, Jeanette, for having me. It's absolutely great to be here on this fabulous podcast today. Oh, I've been so looking forward to this. Honestly, I've been looking forward for ages. And finally, we got a date in the diary because we're both busy women, but we have managed to make it happen. Yes, we did. And, you know, busy but smart women can do whatever they want. Always. They can always make it happen. It's a great start. Absolutely. No limits. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, that's what I really loved about this invitation, because that's really a theme of all of the conversations you're having. What you're doing is so great for women in general, but particularly for women who want to become something in business, because the world has changed. But we also all need to hang around together and help each other, I think, still today. Absolutely. No. So a nice bit of uh, sisterhood always helps through the process while we build our careers and our businesses. 100% agree, Barbara. And you know what? Listen, you've had such a fabulous career and I know a little bit about your journey and I'm sure some people listening will know some, but they might not know everything. So Barbara, can you give us a quick introduction to yourself, where life started for you and how you've ended up in this amazing position that you're in now? Well, um, thank you, Jeanette. So I was born out of a German family, but in Italy. That was very, very helpful to me because I was immediately exposed to different cultures, different languages. And this has really been one of my traits of my career. Uh, my, My father was a shipping journalist. And so he always brought me around the world traveling. So I really can say that I caught the travel bug very early. Um, My first job was actually at Lufthansa because I was speaking German. So I started behind the desk making reservations from there I went to cargo. And then I actually ended up in crisis management in shipping, which was something, the kind of job I do not recommend to anybody because, you know, you're always on the phone. It's always emergencies after the other. And this was quite some years ago when also, you know, the means of communications in a crisis was not the same. But then I was very, very fortunate to be at the shipping event in Greece, Posidonia, where I met the the Minister of Industry of the Principality of Monaco, which industry is very small because the whole country is one square mile. And he said, if anybody will ever organize a shipping event in Monaco, I will help him. And this he said in a press conference. So at the time, I thought I don't have anything to lose. So I went to him. And they said, look, I'm happy to try. And they actually convinced the Seatred organization, which is an amazing British organization at the time, the leader in cruising events still today, to organize a shipping and finance conference called Sea Finance in Monaco. 
And that was such a success that Citrate had to buy my company because everybody was convinced that it was a Citrate event, but they actually only had, you know, involved them as the conference organizers. So that's where it started. Um, at the conference, I met Manfredi Lefebvre, at the time, the owner of Silversea. And uh, he was really my first great mentor. And he offered me the first big job of my life, becoming a corporate executive in Fort Lauderdale. That's where the company was based at the time. And that's where I started my career at Silversea. Um, done lots of different things at Silversea at the time was a smallish but very prestigious brand. And then I felt that I had done a, a lot in luxury and travel and wanted to try the fashion industry. So I was fortunate enough to work at Loro Piana in Milan for the Loro Piana brothers, which was amazing because also from a customer behavior perspective, you know, travel is really the most difficult thing to sell because you're trying to part a very smart, smart consumer from its money two or three years before they will ever really get the satisfaction of the purchase. Fashion or luxury durable goods are much easier. You create the desire and they can immediately fulfill it. So it's a completely different dynamic. Very, very interesting. So, so I was in Milan. And then from there, I went back to the cruise industry. The cruise industry really called me back. I went for some bigger companies, Norwegian Cruise Line, and then a Mediterranean shipping company where I was working in the cruise division, but also, you know, handling communication for the broader group. And, uh, and that's where I had uh, a very ungrateful opportunity in my life, because in 2012, I was nominated chairwoman of the reputation committee of the Cruise Line Industry Association. You might wonder why I'm defining it ungrateful, because that was in the occasion of the incident of the Costa Concordia. So okay. I'm actually probably the only woman you, and probably the only person you know who managed three sinkings in the same year. So that was pretty rough, <laughs> you know. It was myself, another amazing woman, Christine Duffy, today the CEO of Carnival Cruise Line. And the, the two of us really worked on rebuilding the reputation of the industry in a very, in the darkest hour of the industry. It was uh, absolutely, absolutely amazing. After that, I've done a digital startup. I wanted to try something different, which uh, we managed to sell. It was very, very interesting to go from big to small, completely different approach. And then Silver Sea recruited me back, which gave me the incredible opportunity of reworking on the same brand 10 years later. And this is a unique opportunity for any marketer because brands are like people. They grow, they change, we change habits, you know? And so it was incredibly nice, you know, to take this very successful brand again and have been the successful protector of this brand. <laughs> now again, since 2016, when then Royal Caribbean bought us uh, in 2018, they concluded the sales in 2020. And since then, uh, Silver Sea has really been at its apex because it took this amazing niche and very sophisticated brand. But thanks to the resources of Royal Caribbean, we made it really explode to its full potential that as a private company, it had been hard to do. And so I'm now incredibly privileged to be at the helm of this amazing brand, the largest in the world, but mostly the, the, a very, very special company. Yeah, my gosh, Barbara, there's so much in here. We could be talking for hours. <laughs> <laughs> we probably will. <laughs> exactly. We might have to do two, we might have to do a whole series.
episodes with you but listen I mean what one of the things that that really shines um out for me as you're talking was was two things and I really want to kind of dig into both of these one is your energy so you are like you've got this high energy you've got this buzz about you you know big smile on your face you clearly love what you're doing you're really passionate about it have you always been like that as a child or has that come as you kind of matured through your career and with the with the roles that you've had that you really love and that get energized by? Where does it come from, this magic energy? I would thank you. And by the way, look who's talking. I mean, you are you probably have more energy than I do. But you know, I you know, there was a wise man once said, do something you like and you will not have to work any day in your life. And and really, I I can't imagine. We spent so many hours working. I cannot really imagine doing uh, something I wouldn't enjoy. And travel has always been my passion. So I really feel fortunate to have worked so much in the travel industry because the energy is really, you get it from, from the world and the people because that's where it's coming from. I am actually an introvert. So it is uh, interesting how I ended up in a job in which I have a lot of public roles and spending a lot of time with people. And I have to say, I, I developed a lot of coping strategy with that. So I'm highly energetic in my job, but if you see me during the weekend, I love just wrapping up at home in a blanket and a book because that's probably how I recovered the energy because it's it's also very interesting you know, to find your right career, to understand also what, who we are and what we enjoy doing. Mm, yeah, that's so interesting because people would probably never guess that about you. They would probably think you're an extrovert, right? Yeah, and that's why, you know, I said it, there's hope for everybody. You know? <laughs> no, but I love this because especially sometimes, I mean, we're going to talk about lots of things around the business and kind of what you're doing with the brand, etc. But I think very often for, for being a woman in business as well, you know, it's not always easy because very often we, we might be operating in a world which is more male dominated. And we have, you know, it's not that men are better or women are better. We're just different. But I think sometimes people probably look at you and think that you're this, you know, go getter kind of really powerful, extroverted woman that can operate in that man's world really easily without ever having ever having any doubt or insecurity. <laughs> but I think what you're showcasing is that, you know, you can be your true self and be the authentic you. And even if you're a quieter, natural, you know, more introverted person, you can still have a powerful job and really have impact and gravitas. I think that's massively inspiring for anyone, male or female. Absolutely, Jeanette. And actually, I think that success is a very dangerous teacher. Because the day we believe uh, we got it all, that's that's really when, first of all, I think we stop enjoying because, because part of, uh, you know, working for me is also learning new things every day. And, and so I think that not never losing that humility of learning something every day, it's really important. And if I had to say in this, in a male dominated world, but also a stereotype dominated world, I always consider my biggest strength, the fact that I was born blonde with blue eyes, because many stupid men, they think they're stupid, you're stupid. And so they treat you like, you know, a blonde, Marilyn Monroe created a stereotype for all women in the world. 
And that has given me some of the biggest opportunities in my life because by the time they understand you actually have a brain, it's probably too late. (laughs) And that is actually very helpful because very often you get much more done by just listening like a mouse, you know, observing what's going on, absorbing and, you know, and then striking if you have to. You don't need to show muscle and strength to obtain what you want. You know, sometimes it's much, at least it's, then I think each one of us has to be its authentic self because there's a lot of different ways of leading. I don't believe in the book that tells you this is the perfect style to lead. You can either lead with muscle, you can lead with brains, you can lead with love. There's a lot of different styles. And if you do it authentically and with enough energy and passion, you know, at the end of the day, they will all work out. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. No, I agree with you. And, you know, Barbara, as you were as you were talking, you've reinvented yourselves a number of times. Right. I mean, you've come back to, you know, the world of cruising and shipping and maritime, which obviously is is probably a, a first love revisited and in a different form now in your career. But, you, you know, you've done a startup, you, you, you moved into the fashion industry. So with those different evolutions and reinventions of yourself, at those points in your career, did you know that you just were ready for a, to do something different, or was it that the op- and you sought out the opportunities, or was it that the opportunities came to you and you thought, oh, that's interesting, maybe I should try that? Look, a great friend of mine who's also a mentor. She she will you know she's a top executive of Louis Vuitton Group, and I remember just after I finished my master in business administration. I had different offers and uh, I was like doing all of these schemes about should I take this one or that one and should I pursue this career? And there was all of this thinking. And I remember Gabriella, you know, uh, just looking at me and says, Barbara, just take the first one that makes sense to you. Stop thinking because every job will give you something you will always build out of it. And, you know, in the moment when any moment you're confused in your life, just show up in the morning and play. And, and at some point you will figure it out. And that I thought was such a simple but powerful recommendation. Because at the end of the day, we all need to believe a little bit that the universe provides And even if there is a day in which we don't really know, do I have the energy to show up to the office today? It's fine. You don't need to be every day on top of your game. Just make sure to get off of bed and you've done half of the day because then you'll roll into the next and and it will figure and it will work out. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Because I think I guess I guess don't overthink it. Yeah, that's great advice, actually. Um, And we will get into sort of more advice that you've received through your career. But yeah, I think sometimes we can take ourselves too seriously. And we we can, we can almost like analysis paralysis. And sometimes you just have to go with what you feel. And I also think that the world is so amazing and unpredictable that sometimes, again, we get this arrogance that we can control it. I, I think that just let it go, you know? Yeah. And just embrace it, embrace it what arrives and do the best out of it. You actually spend more energy that way, enjoying what you're doing versus trying to steer something that I personally am not sure it's completely in our control anyway. 
Yeah, 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 exactly. So with all your great roles that you've had then, do you think you've just attracted them to you because you've put yourself out in the world and then opportunities have kind of found you rather than you pushing and proactively seeking? Look, I think that it is really a question, as you said, you said it right, put yourself out there in the world. Um, And again, don't be arrogant. You cannot expect the world to come to you. First rule of marketing, if you don't show, you don't sell. So you need to be out there. And this is where, you know, if you you are an introvert, you need to overcome that and get out there and call people and, and sort of create the the field where something can grow but then don't stress too much about it you know not every plant grows into a tree you know and and there might will be another so i think that just being consistent about who you are and and what you can do to, for people another thing that I, I think it's it was at least a great growth moment for me in my career I sometimes see younger people very protective and that might also happen with insecurity a little bit like oh I won't do it unless you give me one two three it's a little bit like when we were looking for our first boyfriends at least you know you remember we were designing the perfect boyfriend which I don't believe exists you know so instead of doing that just open it a little bit invest a little bit in what you're thinking And then, you know, very often when you give, you know, that's when nice things happen. And remember that if you are the person who gives, you can always stop giving. Uh, While, you know, if you're just the person who takes and starts there, I mean, without generalizing, sometimes you see millennials today that are just waiting for you to, you know, give them the perfect job, working from home, you know, and the, the, the list of requests is so insane that you're like, I don't even know if you know how to do the job. So I'm like, just start it, you know, start giving something. And then, you know, the world will reciprocate. Yeah, absolutely. No, I'm, I'm a massive believer in that law of reciprocity has its way of working its magic. But keep be true to yourself, put yourself out in the world, be a good person, and then the rest will happen. But you've got to be prepared to take the action, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> Yeah. So, so Barbara, let's talk about Silversea for a, for a second, because it really is um, an iconic brand in the industry. It's a, it's a wonderful operation that you're leading there. How big is the organization now? And, and I want to talk in particular about Silver Nova as well, because I know that's a really exciting time in, you know, the kind of the evolution of the group. But if you just explain a little bit more around Silversea, what Silversea is all about and why you're so special as an organization. So Silver Sea is very unique because through our history, we we built a fleet of 12 purpose-built ships. And when I mean purpose-built, they're really purpose-built for the destination. So we go from the smallest Silver Origin, which is basically a yacht with 51 suites, which was designed for the Galapagos, to the largest Silver Nova, which is like the hippest, coolest resort at sea. I mean, because of the design, when you are on the pool deck, I mean, it really feels like being on the rooftop of the Fazan in Rio de Janeiro or one of these super cool rooftop bars. And she has, of course, a lot more amenities. But 
but this this logic of building the right ship for the destination is really core to what we do because we we like to say that our mission is to allow our guests to travel deeper in luxury and that's also a little bit the uniqueness of silver sea you have a lot of wonderful providers land based and the ship based that offer fantastic luxury. You also have a lot of companies out there that offer amazing experiences. But what's unique about Silver Sea is putting together the luxury with the sexiness and the experience of the destination. So we try always to put together the two. So it is cool, of course, to enjoy you know, luxuries in New York, but it's incredibly unique to enjoy luxury in the middle of Antarctica. And that's yeah. really what Silver Sea does. So we are really that ticket to the, that experience. As a brand, we, we craft and build these incredible experiences in the most remote corners of the world. And we allow you to leave them with all the creature comforts that you deserve. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I need to book a holiday. I need to book a cruise with you, Barbara, very, very soon. <laughs> it's old. <laughs> And, you know, I think it's an interesting space, you know, because the word luxury is often overused, I think, you know, and tr so, you know, true definition of lux luxury, I'm interested in how you define luxury compared to maybe how other organisations might define luxury or maybe they throw the term around. But what, what is luxury to you, Barbara? So for us, luxury is contextual and luxury is experiential. Uh, the first, so let's start with experiential. Very honestly, if you're looking at the, how the luxury industry really developed, uh, you know, after the 1980s, everything became luxury. You know, we've lived the, you know, really the, the era of mastige in which uh, there has been a proliferation of luxury, thanks to the fact that the world became wealthier Everybody can afford small luxuries. So um, you remember trading up from Silverstein. Is Starbucks a luxury? Yes. At $4 a cup, it's a, it's a luxury. So, so this has really created, uh, you know, a, an overproliferation of everything luxury. But this is why the real wealthy consumer is today not seeking durable goods anymore, but they're seeking experiences. Because that's really what money cannot buy. If you think about it, Jeanette, everything is available. And even if I have to command a lot of amazing marketing strategies in creating scarcities, reality is that, you know, it is very, very difficult not to find a beautiful bag, a beautiful jewel or a beautiful watch. But there are still in the world a lot of destinations that are inaccessible. There are still a lot of experiences that you cannot really organize as a single. And this is really where we became purveyors of a very unique luxury. And the reason why it is contextual is because again, this availability of luxury everywhere in the Western world, in the moment when you go to the boundaries of our planet, it's a complete different game. And that is where, you know, the, the, the service and what you're offering as a travel operator takes a complete different meaning. You know, the, you know, the most expensive item in Antarctica is not caviar, they're berries, because berries need to fly, you know, private together with the passengers to reach Antarctica. So you're really thinking, what is the ultimate luxury? Well, it's having a fresh strawberry in the middle of the Le Maire Channel. I love that. I've never thought about that. Berries in Antarctica. Wow. It's much so, more expensive than champagne. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, I think the, the thing that stands out as you were talking was this attention to detail. 
You know, it's it's the small things and understanding for each and every customer what's important to them. Um, and, and that real real focus and attention to detail. Um, and, and in terms of the service, obviously that comes from the incredible people that you have on board and the range of nationalities that you have on board on board the ships. How important are is the team element to you, Barbara? And I know it's incredibly important, but in terms of the customer experience, how is that intrinsically linked to the talent that you have on board your ships and in the head office as well, mind? Well, look, whenever they ask me what is our biggest asset, I always say the crew, uh, because it is really the crew that makes the experience. Um, the difference between service and self-service is uh, for the provider of the service to really anticipate what you want and offer it to, to you before you actually even know that's what you need or desire in that moment. And this requires a lot of empathy, empathy and a lot of training. So this is where, for example, Silversea loves to hire Asian nationalities because you find the natural empathy. And we know we can teach the skills. I mean, teaching the skills, it's actually the easy part. But, uh, but having, you know, someone who understands that in the morning you want to be left alone or that maybe you need a hug, <laughs> you know, that basic emotional empathy, that's really what we believe makes a difference, uh, both shoreside as well as on the ship. And you only get that if you manage to treat uh, all of the crew and employees as a family. And, and in order to, I mean, then there's dysfunctional families. I mean, most families are dysfunctional, so nobody's ever perfect. But but through this, uh, you know, general authenticity, you create a bond of people helping each other and always figuring it out, even when it's, uh, you know, when it's difficult or where circumstances changes. That is, I think, uh, you know, the incredible thing about managing a cruise line, because remember, these ships are very often alone in the middle of nowhere. And this is where the, our crew, they work with completely different dynamics and the, it creates a strength and the bond that really, really makes the service unique. Mm, yeah, you're right. I mean, they're at sea for a long, prolonged periods of time away from their family, away from their loved ones. So the rest of their crew and colleagues become their family, along with the, some of the passengers that I'm sure the the customers and the guests that are with you. Yeah, I'd not thought of that, actually. And and Barbara, when it comes to attracting talent, I mean, we've had the industry's had a rough couple of years, as we know, um, through COVID and great to see we're out the other side and you know, things are looking much more positive now. But we lost quite a lot of talent, I think, as a sector during during this period. How difficult is it for you to recruit and retain talent? And then I want to talk about female talent specifically. But as a general, um, talent and, and retaining and recruiting in the business, how has it been tough or, or have you found it, you know, not such a problem for you guys? So for, for Silver Sea, it has been tough also because we've grown enormously. Uh, you know, during the pandemic, we took over five ships. That is absolutely unheard of, you know, and not all in the history of any ship owner. Uh, so, so we grew massively. Uh, I have to say that thanks to the this family feeling, we have lost uh, on average much less crew on board of the ship than maybe other operator, or where really the bleed out has happened is in land-based hotels. 
That's where the pandemic was so long that a lot of, uh, you know, people working in the industry, they just changed the industry. It has not happened as much for us. For us, the hard thing has been uh, visas, getting really these amazing crew members to the ships and having the time to train them or train them back. Something that struck me because I didn't think about it until I started seeing the first ratings of the first ships in Asia. Silver Sea was the first cruise line to reopen Asia. We were the first cruise line in, in Hong Kong. This has always been part of our pioneering spirit and everybody's incredibly excited. And then I get the first ratings and the ratings on the shore excursions are terrible. So I start making phone calls and I'm like, what's going on? And I remember this partner saying, Barbara, the guides have not spoken English for three years. They forgot the history of the temples. And that's where you realize how we've been very lucky in Europe or in North America. But actually, in Asia, the whole world was put on a pause for almost three years. And for the travel industry, this has been incredibly difficult. So there is all of this retraining, restarted, that for some parts of the world is not finished yet. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, I, I've been in Singapore a lot this year because I've been working with Accor Hotels and advising their executive board over there. And I mean, the lockdown was severe in, in Asia. You're absolutely right. And, and and of course, we sometimes forget, you know, the language differences. They've got to get back into their flow, haven't they? Um, exactly. So we sometimes we can we can forget. But that again, it comes back to people, attention to detail, respect, emotional intelligence, human to human. Yeah. And all the support. And in this sense, the best thing that happened to Silver Sea is have been acquired by Royal Caribbean Group. First of all, because we had the resources to survive, which, which I mean, is not given for granted, as we've seen from everything that happened in the travel industry. But, more, but also we had the resources to stand behind our people and really support them through these horrific times. Um, and this today is giving us really a great place as an employer. Uh, I have to say, having changed a lot of different companies, one thing that Royal Caribbean does amazingly well is support women. And the, the diversity and inclusion efforts of this company are incredible. It is, of course, very international. I mean, Silver Sea is a very global company with offices all around the world. But, but to your point, it's still difficult for women. And this is where it is great to see this, you know, when a public company really puts its weight behind, you know, promoting women. I'm the first, you know, leader of this brand in 30 years of history. Uh, before they were just very capable, but men, you know, <laughs> and, yeah, uh, yeah. and this is very, very important. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, from a diversity, equity and inclusion point of view, then, Barbara, in terms of, you know, you know, female captains, um, you know, women on the bridge and, and in some of those technical engineering roles, maritime roles. How is how is Silver Sea doing in that space? Um, where are you now and where do you want to be, do you think? So, look, as a woman, I would say that I think it is a, it's really an ecosystem. So I, I believe very strong in giving opportunities to women. At the same time, I do not think I also need think we need to be careful about the narrative because mm. maybe not not every job is better done by a man or a woman. So I also have think that sometimes things are pushed too much 
because yeah. there are certain jobs. I mean, everything like to hospitality is an amazing sector for women because it's the normal, it's caring, it's maternal, it's warm. The service industry should have many more women than historically it had because it is a characteristic in which really the typical strength of we of women can really bloom. But maybe not all the sectors are like that. So this is where I also think we need to be careful as women to support the other women, but but in a balanced conversation, you know. Mm. So because at the end of the day, for each individual, growing on your strength is really what will make you powerful, particularly if you learn at the same time how to cope with your weaknesses. But, but, you know, building a whole career over, over your weaknesses or having, you know, why put yourself in a situation in which you have to overcome too many barriers? I don't think it's necessary. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so in terms of sort of career progression then, Barbara, you know, we spoke about a little bit and I want to talk about rural Caribbean and, and how it's different for Silver Sea from being under the, the ownership of Manfredi and the family, let's say, um, the, the original kind of core of, of Silver Sea versus being part of this huge conglomerate, very American you know, uh, background in terms of the the kind of the the central um, head office in the states. So, how is it different being Silver Sea independent versus Silver Sea part of Royal Caribbean? Yes, you've got more resources, but has it has it damaged the DNA of Silver Sea at all? Do you think, or or I, or I actually think it has enhanced it because. Uh, uh, Look, the vision for this brand has always been incredibly strong. And I feel very fortunate to have worked many years with Manfredi, you know, one of my best friends, a true visionary in, in, the, in this world. But the, the realities of today's uh, ecosystem is that you need a lot of resources. And particularly if you want to be in a capital intensive business like cruises, you need access to capital. And this is where I think Silver Sea really landed in the best of both worlds because it has nurtured this incredible brand which has a really, really clear personality that keeps evolving but remaining true to itself. But for the first time in its history since the acquisition, we really have the resources to allow this brand to bloom completely. And you really need the two things. I mean, having worked for amazing luxury companies like Silver Sea, but also Loropiana when it was private. You know, when if you are a private company, as incredible the vision is, you're always constrained by the capital. And, and being constrained by the capital also means that you are a little bit, you know, like, like a piece of wood in the great ocean of the economy, you know, and you really don't have a shelter, don't have a hedge. So if you really want to grow a brand and you want to give stability to the employees and also stability to the customers and making sure that you can continue to offer consistently the amazing service and all of the bells and whistles, Today, being a public company makes it much easier, particularly if it is in a context of a company like Royal Caribbean, where, you know, but I am, you know, Silver Sea is absolutely independent in being the luxury, the luxury brand. And this is, this is nurtured and supported that, you know, Jason Liberty asks all the time, how can we preserve the unicity? But at the same time, thanks to the size of the company, I don't have to worry about financing. I don't have to worry about legal because there is a whole structure that supports so that it can allow the Silver Sea team to really do what we do 
best, which is building these amazing experiences, you know, lived in luxury for our guests. So it works really, really well. Yeah, I think it's a great combination, you know, and I've been in, in run, you know, very large organizations myself, but, and I've seen it where businesses have been, have been acquired by a big organization and then they've destroyed the asset, they've destroyed what they actually bought because they've kind of smothered it and tried to make it fit into the big the big parent company. Uh, but actually, if you get the combination right, like you were clearly doing with Silversea, you get the best of both worlds. Look, I have to tell an anecdote. The day after the acquisition, Richard Fain, at the time our, our president CEO, you know, called myself and the CEO at the time to his office and said, yeah, I want you to tell me what are the things that I can do to invest fast in the product because I want the market to realize that Royal Caribbean is here to invest in Silversea and not to nickel and dime the, the customers. And so I remember, you know, we created this list. And of course, as you always do in small private companies, we comprise quite a big list because it's always cut. That's how it has always been based on the brand. You ask a hundred to get 50. And so we go through this two hours presentation from, you know, amazing flower compositions to doubling the seafood buffet, you know, all of these amazing things. And I remember at the end of the presentation, Richard said, great. And I'm like, so which one should you do? All of it. <laughs> I remember like I looked at him like, I cannot believe it. I'm like, this never happened in my life. Yeah, that's great. So that's also what made the product this strong. Yeah, fantastic. No, that's a really, really great anecdote to share. Thank you for doing that, Barbara. And let's talk a little bit about Silvanova. So you mentioned it earlier. It's the largest of, of, the, of the fleet. You know, brand spanking new. And obviously, you know, I assume that Royal Caribbean would have had an input into the design of Supernova, um, but you've still got that uniqueness of the luxury experience that Silver Sea brings. So talk us talk us about Silvernova a little bit. What can the guests expect? What's special about, about Silvernova? So Silvernova or Supernova, as you called it, which I actually <laughs> like it like even better, you know, uh, is actually, it's really the perfect child of a combination of uh, Silver Sea and Royal Caribbean Group. Because the, the, the biggest unicity about Silvernova, it's actually the way it's built. She's the first asymmetrical ship in the luxury space. And I have to be honest, I didn't understand what that meant until I really start seeing the, the ship shaping. So, because the strength about an asymmetric ship is really the consumer benefits that comes out of it. So the whole structure of the ship is inside, which allows the whole ship to be built in glass. So the first thing, which is difficult to explain on a podcast, but this is really the ship of light, because you see all this light coming in from the outside. I remember when, you know, I was on the elevator and I've actually seen a lot of guests going up and down on the elevator, you know, and, and, and Jason Liberty, our presence, you correctly said, this is the first ride for silver, experience ride for Silver Sea, because the whole elevator is on glass and it really goes from the water to the top of the ship. So the whole ship is in glass and this is, it's just unbelievably, difficult to explain. But then the second thing is because of the asymmetry, the pool deck is open on a side. 
typical also on our ships you always have the pool trunk in the middle of the ship which means that when you are by the pool you see other guests on nova the whole pool is open on the side which means it's open to the water and the destination and the only thing you see it's water so it is just unbelievably open to the destination so so that is and sincerely we could never have built that the kind of engineering capability again financial capability but also engineering vision i mean royal caribbean group has built the biggest ships in the world they know how to build these incredible ships sincerely we were taken over and completely completely just shocked by the whole process then where the brand came in is in i think managing very well the past versus the future so when you when one of our guests walks on nova he or she will find a lot of uh, areas that are like he or she remembers so we have created new but we've built the new the newness on the heritage brand because silver sea is a heritage brand we will be 30 years old next year and really, so I think it is about this combination of the old and the new that is really creating the magic on the ship. Wow. Anyone listening to this will be saying, where do I book, Barbara? Where do I book on, on Silver Nova? <laughs> <laughs> Fabulous. But I think as you were talking, as you were describing it, and you did describe it very well, um, you know, you were talking very earlier about bringing the experience of the destination, the uniqueness of the destination combined with the onboard luxury, you know, and, and that that whole glass kind of light, you know, where does the, where does the water end? Where does the, you know, the visage end? brings those two two pieces together beautifully from what you've described. Absolutely. And I would say the other thing that Royal Caribbean Group allowed us to do is to build the most sustainable ship in the ship in this. And this is also incredible important, incredibly important because we're talking about a lot about the destinations, but at the end of the day, preserving and supporting our planet is really something that we all need to do together. And so Nova is the first multi-hybrid ship so she has different types of fuels. She has a lot of very expensive technologies that really help at the end of the day to reduce the greenhouse emissions of the ship by 40% compared to the previous class of ships. And that's huge. And it's a huge step in the right direction. And so I'm also very proud about this uniqueness of NOVA. Yeah, and the whole ESG agenda is huge, isn't it, Barbara? I mean, listen, you know, I don't think it'll be very long before it it becomes legislation, actually, in, in with certain, you know, with listed companies, etc. But you know, I, I, it's such a it's such a critical part of doing the right thing for our, you know, our planet. But also, I think more and more consumers are, are choosing which organisations they spend their hard earned money with. Employees are deciding who should they, you know, which organisations should they join to be part of. And I think there's so much more focus for the right reasons on you know the environment social governance all of those great aspects so yeah it's it's it's, it's wonderful to be at the front leading leading from the front isn't it yeah absolutely but again you need resources to do that so yes this, this yes. is where we go back i mean you you were talking about the large and big american company thank god for the large big american company because you cannot afford it otherwise yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, business business needs capital. Absolutely. Liquidity, yes. you know, is, is so important. this kind of business. Yeah, yeah. Very capital intensive. Yeah. And, and you need to have um, a long term view. 
Yeah, you, if you're making those level of investments, you're not your 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 return on investment is going to be a lot long a lot longer than in other sectors, right? You know, by the time you start thinking about the ship and you actually sail on it, it typically takes three to four years. You know, yeah. and a lot of capital. These are expensive babies. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So, Barbara, when you think about kind of your career, you know, you've obviously, you know, you've got done a huge amount. What are you most proud of, do you think, when you look back through your, well, not just career, maybe, you know, life in general? What are you most proud of? Um, I think of uh, having uh, really found stability in, in the foundations. I in the point, So what I mean with that is that you really, if you know what, knowing what works for you, knowing what you're good at, which very often is also the things you like, is really, has always been for me the simple guide. So I've always, I am proud of always having the instinct of saying no. Saying no sometimes is the hardest thing. I remember once I was offered a job, which at the time was incredible compared to where I was in my career. And, and I didn't take it. And the reason why I didn't take it is because even as flattered as I was to have been offered, I knew that I would not have excelled in it because there were some aspects of the job which were just not what I enjoy and I'm good at. And so I'm actually very proud of having refused that job. So sometimes, uh, you know, as much as we were talking before about, you know, just open yourself to the universe and be out there, but also don't be afraid of saying no if it doesn't feel right, because mm. it's much harder to say no than yes. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And it takes it takes courage. You know, we you know, we talk about being brave and sometimes that it is. That's where the bravery comes, deciding what not to do uh, versus being seduced sometimes by maybe what may appear or, or often. I think people end up following a path that they think they should do because that's what society expects or maybe their parents said thought they should do take a certain career and they never truly do what they really were meant to do or or that would have given them joy. So listen a little bit also to the instinct. And that's where, you know, we go back to that. Don't overthink it. But at the same time, if you have a big alarm, listen to it. That's something that I'm pretty proud of. Not having been afraid of letting go of great jobs when it was time for me to move on. Or Mm. no, when it didn't feel right. You know, know, looking at insights, was it right or wrong? I don't know. But I did pretty well. So maybe there were some things that were right in the whole thing. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you were talking earlier about, you know, the the period post Costa Concordia and, and the critical role that you played in that. You know, there's been some very dark times as well and difficult times in your in your career. Can you think of the ta- a time when, you know, you were really found it the most challenging or or that the, the wasn't such a happy time because of what you were having to deal with or maybe because of the environment you were in or, or you know, something that wasn't such a such a joyful, joyful period? Well, what what one of the I, I I decided that I had limits when I was doing crisis PR, and at the time, mm-hmm. I mean, of course, you could have a lot of different companies, a lot of big and small. And I remember I had once to defend in a in a press conference a company, and and in that case, a crew member had been very very badly hurt, 
and the family of the crew member was in the room. And that's where I'm like, you know what? There's no money in the world for this. And that's really mm. when I stepped off crisis management uh, because of course it's a job and you can do it very well if you understand the technical aspects. But but I have also been privileged in, not, in finding myself in a situation in which I could do my job well without necessarily going against some of the things I believe in. And, and yeah. that day felt really just very strong. It, it just felt bad. It felt wrong to be there. And, and you know, it's, it's not a question of whether who was liable. It's a question about a, a man died here. And at the end of the day, you know, we shouldn't be here trying to to defend the business because that's the most important thing. And, and that happens. So that's when yeah. I realized that for me, that was my limit. Mm, yeah, no, and, and that's right, isn't it? And I think, you know, being very sort of value-led and, and everything we were talking about earlier is so important. Uh, I mean, look at look at Thomas Cook, you know, reputational damage, you know, when, when not just reputational damage, but that, you know, a, ch- a child died, you know, with the gas um, situation with Thomas Cook. But the, the actual fallout for that, one, for the family that were grieving, but also, I mean, really for the, for the way, you know, the, the company helped dealt with it was just almost, you know, a, 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 an example of how not to do it. You couldn't have got it more wrong, you know, and, and actually the fallout was huge. So I think, you know, these, these incidents that do happen, because unfortunately, you know, things do happen, you know, I've had times where I've had to deal with, you know, drownings and you know all sorts of unfortunate things anything that happens in a destination anything that happens at home can happen in a destination right and we have a responsibility don't we and and actually sometimes you know you're right you can find yourself in this position of liability versus doing the right thing morally and and it can be quite difficult difficult space to be in and this was years ago and that's also one of the reasons why i'm very relieved and privileged of working for a company like Royal Caribbean Group that will never, mm. ever put, uh, you know, anything above the value of people and, and the safety mm. and security of the guests and crew. And that is very important because, again, you also need the capital and the scale to be able to be first in safety, you know, and yeah. not compromise on that. This is where, you know, the big public American company is actually a great place to work. <laughs> and it is great to, you know, buy business, you know, buy services from them because they will do the right thing. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Can afford to. Yeah, 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 quite right. Quite right. And Barbara, how do you how do you personally kind of um cope and what's your your mechanism you talked about you know at the weekends you might just want to be quiet sit with your book you know re-energize and how do you balance sort of you know personal life with the professional life when you've got a very busy stressful job what are the kind of things that you bring into your you know your daily routines or, or whatever to be able to have a personal life and and a very successful business life well i mean first of all i love cooking and honestly if you had a really really bad day you know, a glass of wine and destroying a zucchini to shred will always fix it, you know? So I think, you know, if you have any kind of, if you need any kind of outlet, you know, cutting vegetables really does it for me, you know? So it's, you know, find your own alley. Um, In general, something that always has given me a lot of stability, also traveling a lot, is doing sports in the morning. I love walking, hiking, running. And that's really something you can do anywhere. And it gives you a routine independently from the time zone, gives you a chance of 
seeing the world because even if you have meetings at nine o'clock, you can always wake up at seven and go out for a jog or a walk. That is really yeah. my time, you know. And then yeah, I'm the same. I, I'm the same. I protect my morning. My morning, the first few hours of the day, you know, before anyone else, you know, gets hold of my calendar. That's me time, just purely selfish to put your own oxygen mask on, you know. Yeah, but don't underestimate the strength of shredding a zucchini to piece. I uh, next time I am on the edge of um, stressful situations, I'm going to shred a, a zucchini. <laughs> and I'm going to think of you. I'll send you a WhatsApp, a little picture. I'm shredding <laughs> with, a, with a very nice glass of wine. Excellent. We like to talk about coping strategies. So this is a great one. I <laughs> love that. Fantastic. So, Barbara, you know, how would you describe yourself as a leader, would you say? Authentic. You know, you get, you know, particularly with my team, then I fully understand we all have a public role. But the only way I can lead is through authenticity and just being honest with people. There's nothing, there's no good or bad news that is too good or too bad if you just say it. So I think the worst thing you can do is try to sort of, you know, play politics with the people that have to figure it out with you. Mm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm sure that, you know, that's why you have, you know, people on your team that have been with you for for many, many years and, you know, love what they do as well, because your energy coming back to your energy point is infectious. So, um, yeah, I would imagine it's hard to be in a room. Yeah. What's that? Sorry, Barbara. The good, the bad and the ugly. Don't be afraid of it, because all together as a team, we can figure it out. Yeah, exactly. And it's that combination, isn't it? You know, some people are brilliant at this, other people are brilliant at that, you know, and actually the combination is just winning, right? Winning together. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Fantastic. So Barbara, through your illustrious career, can you think of the best piece of advice that you've been given? I know you'll have had lots over the years. <laughs> yes, I would say just follow your follow what you like. That's really, you know, an important piece of advice because Again, we go back to the beginning of the podcast. If you end up in a job that you like, you will really never work one day in your life. And that makes a huge, huge difference. Yeah. Yeah. We only have one life. We've got to make it count, haven't we? Yeah. 100%. Abs absolutely. So it's a busy year for you, as every year is busy, but this is a busy year. Um, so if you could think about this year and describe it in one word, Barbara, what would that word be and why? I would say uh, the, the year of support, uh, because of the amazing support that uh, I've had from the people around me in what has been an interesting year for sure. You know, and, and that really is for me is also a way to prove that some of the things that I've done in my life are right, because, you know, it's uh, finding yourself surrounded by pe by the right people it is really a huge measure of success. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Support. Great word. Great word. And I've got three more words for you, Barbara, and they are brave, bold, brilliant. And what does that mean to you when you think of that? Um, so first of all is we go back to the same theme, be yourself and don't be afraid of saying no, because they, they were, I mean, like big brands, okay. You can never be a brand if everybody likes you, you, you know, because if everybody likes you, you're a plain vanilla yogurt, you're not a brand. So becoming a brand, be it as a person or be, you know, steering a brand into greatness, it is knowing who you are so much that some people 
will not like you. And that's absolutely fine. Yeah, fantastic. Oh, I love that. Barbara, I'm so excited for the future and what's going to happen, where you're going to take the business, where you're going to take, you know, your your own your own sort of life and career forward as well. But thank you so much. You've shared amazing advice. And I know that anyone listening and watching it is going to get so much out of this. So a huge, huge thank you. Really, I've enjoyed it so much. Thank you, Jeanette. And we can't wait to welcome you on our beautiful ships. Oh, absolutely. Count me in. <laughs> Thank you. I really hope you've enjoyed Brave, Bold, Brilliant. Don't forget to subscribe and share with all your friends. And if you've enjoyed listening, I'd love it if you'd leave me a five-star review.